podcast. My name is Tim Peterson. I am the senior media editor at Digiday. And I'm Kaylee Barber, senior reporter at Digiday. Kaylee, this week you spoke with Amy Astley and David Kaufman from Architectural Digest. Amy is the global editorial director and David is the global digital director. So Architectural Digest, I, I guess what I'm really curious about is just who the audience is for Architectural Digest and this is probably showing my own ignorance, but as someone who lived in apartments that I'd rented for pretty much most of my adult life, I Architectural Digest was never just something that I really picked up, but I was always curious, like, who is the readership for this yeah. publication? Yeah, right. I mean, Architectural Digest is a decades-old brand. It's a legacy publication under the Condé Nast um, you know, portfolio, so... I think oftentimes what comes to mind is that, um, you know, maybe more traditionally wealthy audience who is really into interior design and can afford a lot of high-end furniture pieces and, and statement art and things like that. But, you know, in the conversation, um, both Amy and David were talking about how that's really not the case um, so much anymore. Uh, Amy's, you know, one of her big goals coming into um, AD five years ago, I believe, she said that she really wanted to change up the audience and what it looked like. Um, and to do that, they've really stepped it up, I think, on um, certain platforms like YouTube and, and Instagram and um, even their digital presence. They're not really, they're not really putting the magazine as the the main thing. It is a key element, but um, they have been trying to grow things like their uh, open door franchise on YouTube, um, which is going into celebrities' homes and seeing how they design their uh, living rooms and bedrooms and and really, you know, using young actors and musicians and, uh, you know, rappers and people who might not appeal to that traditional, older, wealthy audience or, you know, may not be the, the stars that really come to mind, but they're using people like Cara Delevingne, who is, you know, a, a young up and coming um, actress and model that appeals to a, a much younger demographic. And I do think that's helped diversify their audience um, outside of what maybe a lot of people originally thought AD targeted. And then on YouTube, like how, what's the revenue strategy for them on YouTube? Because I imagine it could be, maybe it's possible to do like sponsored home tours or things like that. But I imagine there are some nuances that they would have to take into account when it comes to the different ways they could be making money from video. Yeah, I think the biggest thing that they did was tie in their commerce initiatives. In the conversation, they really get into how they put an emphasis on making the the video shoppable, linking things that are mentioned and highlighted in the open door tours. Um, there was uh, one that they talked about with uh, Emmy Raver and um, David Diggs, their home, and how a lot of their pieces actually were relatively well-priced. So the links um, were being hit by a younger demographic as well. Um, so it's really about finding ways to allow the readers to shop the content that they're putting out. Um, and I think that uh, we get into that a bit in this conversation, but I think that that's one way to kind of change up the YouTube revenue strategy. Awesome. Excited to hear the conversation. Thanks, Kayla. 
Amy, David, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Hi, Kaylee. Thank you for having us. Hey, Kaylee. Good morning, and thank you for having us as well. I really appreciate you guys joining. I am personally excited to talk with you about um, Architectural Digest, AD, as I will probably refer to it. Um Mainly because one of the primary shows I've been watching on YouTube lately has been Open Door. I find it extremely fascinating. It's been keeping me going through the uh, pandemic and being home. So I'm I'm eager to kind of learn about that uh, show and franchise there. But um, I would love to kind of start out by talking about um, over the past year, maybe some of your growth that you have uh, received digitally in the print uh, subscription, um, you know, obviously Architectural Digest is a uh, legacy brand. You've been around for a while, um, part of the Condé Nast um, portfolio. But um, I'm, I'm also well aware that a lot of magazine brands um, and digital brands alike have been getting uh, a lot of traction with their audiences um, during the pandemic. And I'd love to kind of learn about uh, some of the growth that maybe you've seen in the past you know, year, give or take. Yeah. I mean, Kaylee, first of all, thank you for watching Open Door. Uh, we're really proud of that franchise and it's definitely something we can come back to speaking about in the interview. But um, I, I would say that COVID, um, while devastating for the world on so many levels, has been interesting for our business because we have thrived. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything, people were stuck at home. They're on their computers. Their life became digital. Um, our Every single digital number at AD has has uh, exploded, uh, and I, I don't want to just you know spew stats at you, but they're mind blowing. Um, the amount of time, and you think about your own life, and then think about it times millions of people globally. Uh, their whole world was maybe reduced to their computer screens. So um, our web traffic exploded. E-commerce for us, which was something we leaned into during COVID, is extraordinary, the growth there. The social growth on uh, all of the platforms has been massive. Uh, you you mentioned Open Door. I think um, the entertainment factor there was critical for people and the escapism of that. Um, and again, you know, we're, we're thrilled with the with the growth and the views and the subscribers to the channel. Um, even and all of this also had a halo effect on our print business. To be perfectly honest, you know, more eyeballs on your website means more people signing up for a print subscription. So, um, it's actually been an extraordinary time for our business and uh, a positive time. And I and I and I don't mean to lessen the trauma to um, the world, you know, due to COVID. But we learned from that. Uh, so much. And I'd love to give David a minute to pipe up too. Yeah, I mean, I, I sort of echo what Amy says. Um, I think beyond the uh, the sort of record-setting growth and you know the true stratospheric growth for us at AD in the digital space, it also has been a time of creativity and entrepreneurship and pivoting and, ingen- and innovation and ingenuity. Um, because there's been such a strong interest in the home category, and it's such, such a strong interest on a digital level, it's allowed us to really take, I guess, some risks and some some um, imaginary steps and launch a suite of new products and offerings to the uh, consumer, to our consumers who, who really seem to want it. And these range from everything from an increased focus on real estate to uh, an increased focus on travel to uh, an increased focus uh, coming up on um, do-it-yourself and home improvements. So this is really, along with being a time of monumental growth, I think it's been a, a time of monument, monumental creativity and innovation. And for me, um, working with Amy to achieve that has just been really exciting and, and fun. 
So the um, the risks that you just kind of mentioned, those like steps that maybe um, you wouldn't have done if it was just a run-of-the-mill year, um, what did those look like? So you you said home improvement as a category, travel as a category, and then... Um, Real estate. There was a third one. Real, Real estate, estate yeah. yes. Um, so I guess what are those like vertical launches? Are these like, um, you know, sections in the magazine that you're building out? What what I guess what are those kinds of um, products looking like? And and exactly why are those like seen as kind of like a, a riskier move to um, what you were doing before? Well, I think, you know, everything David said, I'll, I'll second. And, and I love working with him. And he's been so successful in one year during lockdown, by the way. He's, he, I, you know, David and I met over Zoom. <laughs> and, and we've worked over Zoom with uh, this incredible success over this year. Um, so I, I, I just want to mention that. But the risks are, you know, I, I love taking a risk and I feel digitally, if it doesn't work, okay, pivot, you know. Um, but real estate, for example, is something I always wanted AD to be more involved in. And then David was like the dream person to really bring it to reality, to be perfectly honest. Um, maybe I met with some resistance in the past because there's a commercial element to real estate. And I think that is a risk to David's words, you know, because people think, oh, AD, it's a legacy brand. As you yourself said in your introduction, it's 100 years old and it's very, people thought it's very stately. But in my five years here, Kaylee, I've worked to make it more fun, more relevant, more buzzy, more current current in culture, and, and more related to what people are thinking about. People are thinking about real estate. I mean, it's a, it's been an obsession certainly pre-COVID, and COVID just accelerated it. So I think, you know, David was the perfect person to lean into real estate in a big way. He started a newsletter, which has quickly become one of our most successful newsletters. And newsletters are a very key part of our, our success, by the way. And it's it's sold to an advertiser. So, you know, um, and, you know, so obviously people love it. They're opening it. We love being leaned into the real estate industry. David's very connected in that world. It's fascinating. And in the end, the consumer likes it. They're opening the newsletter. Um, so that is that is AD. You know, we look at data and we if we try something and we see that the consumer isn't responding to it, the, the audience, we pivot. We change mm-hmm. it for a while. We try to, you know, a new iteration. Can we fix it? Do we believe in it? And then ultimately we go, okay, you know, I'm not going to cling on. I don't, I don't think that's modern at all and just sort of move on to new things, you know? I just want to add for me, um, number one, I, I thank Amy for being so receptive to this idea. You know, I came from the New York Post where I was a real estate editor for almost five years and have a long experience contributing real estate content to the Financial Times on a global level. And for me, it was about looking immediately at AD and thinking, what do we have um, an authentic, authoritative voice to, to, to cover. And, you know, our bread and butter is homes and, and, and interiors and design. And, you know, you got to buy a home in order to, to redo it. And, and of course, during the pandemic, everybody was talking about, you know, moving house uh, from the city to the country, from the city to the beach. And we're talking about stratospheric prices. I also come from as I said, News Corp, which has really led, if, if you know, kudos to Robert Robert Thompson and, and Rupert Murdoch in this regard, they've really led in, in digital uh, real estate. But so can we, you know, why, and why shouldn't we? So beyond, you know, the newsletter, which was an obvious and really easy lift, you know, the immediate thinking was, let's have a home on the homepage on AD.com for all of our, our real estate content. Let's create a vertical. Let's create a space that we can, you know, organically and authentically present all this incredible real estate content, whether it's celebrity, you know, everybody loves to know what the Kardashians are doing, whether it's new development, uh, whether it is um, amazing townhouses in Brooklyn, and of course, create an environment and an appealing environment for our partners to uh, hopefully sponsor uh, this section and also create events. You know, a lot of our work now is about 
uh, thankfully now uh, going towards in real life events, but we've had quite a few uh, di- digital events uh, around real estate that we've been able to sell and make a, a tidy fee, uh, tidy sum with. So that is also really encouraging. I mean, it's, it's, it's great to know that people are responding to this. And again, it's fun and we're learning as we go along. And it also, I think, is, um, is a cornerstone and works nicely with our global, our global vision. We certainly have permission to win in that category, and it was just a wide open area to step into, as he said. Um, and and I think going back to you know you opened with talking about COVID and the pandemic in this past year. Well, people have always been obsessed with real estate, but now more than ever, uh, which which David already said. But people are literally moving and rethinking their lives, and so uh, that 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 has been in our corner, I guess, during this time, but it will continue to be because obviously the reverberations from the pandemic, you know, it's not over, right? It's maybe more controlled in the US. It's still happening in other parts of the world. It's not soon out of people's memory. And and we feel that real estate, but the whole home category uh, is, is an increased obsession for people. Miko, because we've all been stuck at home for so long, realizing the limitations of our of our personal space, and perhaps thinking about what do I need for the future? Will, will this happen again? <laughs> Please not. But uh, you know, I, I think that that lines up in 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 AD's uh, you know favor. And again, I don't mean to be coarse either. You know, the pandemic is brutal, but there's no doubt that people are thinking about spending time and money on their home. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah, no, absolutely. You know, now and it, into the future. Yeah, it makes sense. I'm I'm currently at my um my mom's house in Connecticut, and the there's a ton of like for sale signs around, but they're all going like in in days and for much more than they were originally listed for. So it makes sense that there's this big you know opening in real estate, um, especially I think in this kind of like tri-state area. I mean, to that end, so you mentioned that sponsorships are a big part of that kind of um, vertical expansion and, and monetizing it to a degree. Um, I know other publications have gone into the real estate licensing kind of realm. Um, there's, uh, I, I actually don't know if there's any kind of commissions that brands can make off of um, potential sales coming through their network. But I'm curious, do you see any other types of like, c- like maybe more consumer side revenue that could come off of a vertical that in the real estate area, or is it mostly kind of sponsorships that you're looking at right now? Well, I want to hear from David, but I just would back it up by saying, I, I'm not sure that we're going to like open our own real estate agency. <laughs> We've certainly talked about it because AD moves the merch. You know what I mean? People buy houses off AD. Um, there is no doubt about that. So we we are aware of, of our power to sort of move real estate. Um, and I would never say never to anything. And I'll go back to the word entrepreneurial that David used correctly. We're super entrepreneurial. That's why I actually love working with him. We're always thinking about new businesses. So the sky's the limit. You know, we're in early days. Yes, sponsorship is what it's about right now. And globalization. Condé Nast is globalizing. I'm the global editorial director. David is the global digital director. We have so much work to do in the in the other markets uh, where AD plays and even where it doesn't currently play uh, around this, um, you know, this piece of our story. Um, and I, I think, you know, I wouldn't want to say that we can do, you know, be a better real estate agency than the <laughs> ones that exist. I'd love to hear from David on that one. <laughs> yeah, I don't see us opening a real estate agency in the near future, but um, we talk a lot about um, 
you know, essentially this sort of dovetails nicely with our um, both events and e-com businesses. We've spoken about how can we generate recurring revenue from the real estate business or our real estate business um, besides, you know, branded content or and, and, and traditional advertising, digital advertising. So how can we, you know, secure additional revenue? We've talked about, you know, is are there, um, you know, the mortgage companies or insur- home insurance companies or all these sort of big players with, huge amounts of recurring revenue that we could theoretically try to capture every month um, that's tied into the real estate space. So these are things we are thinking about. Um, another, again, another issue, another arena is, is events. You know, we've, we've sold quite a few partnerships with events and we were really excited last week, actually, uh, we sold or we helped uh, negotiate a, a partnership with our sister uh, AD in Latin America and Mexico. So it was it, we were able to work with uh, Frederick Eklund of Eklund Gomes, Frederick Eklund, who's the famous million dollar listing agent. And he went down to Mexico to sponsor a real estate event with AD Mexico and Latin America that we helped broker and negotiate. So um, we're not opening a real estate company just yet, but we are really focusing on uh, creative and innovative partnerships around the world in order to um, elevate and maximize our real estate content. I think that leads me into one of my questions around that global growth and strategy. Um, to your point, Condé Nast has become um, an international company, uh, very much focused on that globalization um, and, and kind of working together to to expand um, editorial strategy, business strategy, whatever it is. Um, can you talk about that kind of globalization and what that looks like for AD? So you mentioned you have um, you have the uh, iterations of the brand in um, Latin America, Mexico, and I'm imagining lots of other mm-hmm. places. But can you talk about that and um, and how that kind of fits into you know uh, AD US's kind of strategy for growth as well? Yeah, sure, Kaylee. Um- so I've been running AD for five years now, and what I started doing, what what I when I embarked upon the job, um, I wanted to build a digital product out of AD because it really was a print product with a very small a digital footprint. Um, it just wasn't there. So that's the work we've done over these five years, and that is the work that we'll do globally with the international ADs in the coming years. And the exciting thing for me uh, as the global editorial director is that I, I have already had this practice, um, this pra- successful practice run where I understand what we need to do. You know, we need to build digital audiences. That's via social. Uh, drive them to your website. Monetize. Uh, you know, monetize all of these platforms. Uh, have a thriving um, YouTube channel with video, which has become such a big piece of our business. And you know, and e-commerce. Um, and our e-commerce, as I already mentioned, is tremendously successful, but that's because we already did the hard work of building audiences. You know, you can't really sell a lot of merchandise if you don't have a lot of eyeballs sort of coming to um, your platform. So that is the basic, <laughs> you know, that's the basic strategy. What we've done in the U.S. Is, is similar to what we will do internationally while preserving local content and local flavor without a doubt with sensitivity. Um, and so, you know, I can't think of a better partner than David for us to embark upon this. It's a massive amount of work, but I'm very, you know, confident and optimistic because we've already done it here. Um, and the global teams are very strong and, and wonderful to work with. David was in Mexico last week, as you just mentioned, working on this real estate project. So, you know, there's just so much upside there. But um, in and that's the broad vision. I mean, in the nitty gritty, it's about aligning the teams, about really having one AD globally, uh, where teams are working together, where we are sharing relevant content, 
And, you know, I've been seeing with David incredible content from India, from Mexico, things where we're like, we want that for our website or our print product or our social platform, and they want things from us. So um, that's not the way Condé operated in the past. Each each brand, you might be a brand, Vogue or AD, but you really operated independently um, and sometimes in competition. Uh, so I think it's exciting. I think it's time. <laughs> and there's just, there's so much incredible content that should just really be be shared. So it's aligning our teams um, around the content, uh, being very organized with that, and really planning global drops. Again, not everything's relevant in every market, and that is fine. You know, um, David and I have learned so much about India, for example, um, and, and and specific types of, of content. But wherever we can plan a global drop, we will. And and uh, David has already done that successfully with, for example, a Miley Cyrus story we did in April. Uh, April was our biggest traffic month ever at AD, and it was due to Miley's house, um, which was not a print story. It was a digital story only. Um and that was that ran globally, and then a real estate project David brought in called the One, which is a massive, ginormous house in um, LA, which he can speak about. We also did a global drop on that. So we've been experimenting. You know, it's early days, um, aligning the teams, but the global drops are are, are really, really important, um, so that we can maximize traffic all over the world and use our content really effectively. David, do you want to add to that? Yeah, I mean, just echoing what Amy said, for me also, what's what's so great is the ability to learn. You know, we're learning as we go along. You know, Amy mentioned these sort of global drops, and this is involving us working with, you know, all of our 10 plus um, sister or brother brands to to identify stories that will have immediate global appeal and work together as a group to basically uh, drop them at the same time all over the world. Um, so, if, you know, for instance, the story about the one, this insane house in, Be- in Bel Air that was, you know, 10 million gazillion dollars with 52 swimming pools and a bowling alley. Um, you know, we had one writer go and write the story. And then we had that content, the, the copy and the photos and the captions all um, sent to all of our sister brands. And then the story, you know, dropped at the same time all over the world. So from an economics point of view and economies of scale, it's a serious win-win for everybody. We gave the writer you know, a little bit a little bit extra, but, you know, it was certainly far cheaper to do one story than to do 10 stories um, for all the brands. But more importantly, we were able to take a story that we know is interesting and we know is super cool and say, well, do the Indians think it's super cool? Do the Mexicans think it's super cool? Do Europeans find this interesting? Um, and that's that for me is, is just really exciting to learn what the audiences around the world want, um, especially as we, you know, we're really kind of just in the beginning of this of this global uh, consolidation and integration. So for me, just learning what folks want. I was just thinking yesterday we were talking about e-com and how to support our sibling brands around the, around the world about e-com. And, you know, for instance, uh, one thing that's really important here is cleaning. You know, our, our, our consumers like to clean, but having just been in Mexico and also having been to India, I was thinking to myself, the readers of AD in Mexico and India don't clean their houses. They have domestic help that does that. So how do we address that? How do we take what we know are wins in the United States and convert them into local customs and traditions. Obviously, somebody in India and Mexico is buying those home products, but let's find out who. And let's when we, when we develop those e-commerce programs, let's make sure we we uh, target and adapt accordingly. Yeah, absolutely. And Kaylee, I would just add to what David just said so eloquently. This sharing goes both ways. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just us developing things here in the U.S. and pushing them out to other markets. Uh, the other markets definitely have a complete voice to say, I like that, I don't like that, it resonates or it doesn't, and we are taking from them too. So it, it's, a, it's a, um, a very fluid sharing situation. We're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsor, then we'll be right back. So you mentioned e-commerce earlier as being something that you developed during the pandemic um, and really leaned into. Um, can you talk about that strategy? Um, you mentioned, David, that cleaning products and, and home <laughs> um, care is, is something that you're um, writing about. But what are some of the other kinds of um, commerce pieces that you're developing? And is it, you know, kind of shoppable video that you integrate onto YouTube or is it really kind of like living, you know, content, digital content on your website? Well, our, our e-commerce team is incredible um, and grew during during COVID because we, we were so successful. I mean, we basically had one commerce editor uh, when we went into lockdown, um, not even full-time. And then we were experiencing so much success and so much growth with e-commerce. I really leaned into it personally during um, during COVID and just immersed myself in learning about it. And I found it so, so deeply exciting. And now our team has has grown and it's a significant revenue source at AD. Um, but we write about everything. We've had great success with mattresses, with bed linens, um, some tabletop. Uh, we have, a, you know, it's it's more successful in a, in a sort of affordable real life um, price point, less of a splurge luxury price point. And that would lead me to tell you that our e-commerce play is really coming out of Clever, our vertical called Clever, which is um, really just a a kind of a a younger sensibility or younger is not even the right word. It's just a different sensibility than than ADs. Um, A a little, very real life, I would say, but still curated through our our taste and our point of view. Um, And and that's where where the e-commerce really lives and is produced you know, plants do well. It's it's really kind of, I would say, news you can use. It's less about someone buying, you know, when people think of AD, they may think of very expensive items. And, and that's not really where the e-commerce is, um, is, is successful. David, do you want to elaborate a bit? Well, I also just want to add that, you know, one of the things we're also doing is making sure that we identify and maximize every e-com opportunity and making sure that e-com is integrated between the print and 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 the web and digital. Like so, for instance, you know, we had a story in April with uh, the Hamilton actor David Diggs and his amazing partner Emmy Emmy Raven, and their home was uh, extremely beautiful and, and comfortable, but it actually was pretty affordable. So we created an entire uh, separate digital piece on how to shop the look. You know, which we hadn't done before. It was an obvious, an obvious play. You know, and everybody wants what they have. It's pretty affordable. So let's create another piece of content to, to so folks can shop it. Um, it's been about going back to our um, open door videos and making sure that open door videos still uh, can be. We can add um, shoppable elements to the open door videos, even the ones from a year ago. You know, we have open door videos with you know huge names that every month do a hundred thousand. From a year ago, that every month do get a hundred thousand views. Well, over the course of a year, that's more than a million, and we have five, six, seven, ten of those. We're talking huge numbers here. They're just sitting there, the lowest hanging fruit. Why not go back and you know add add shoppable elements to all of those? And so the the, the aggregate and the combination of all these really sort of simple. Um, low-hanging efforts can really pay off in the end and help us meet these um, ambitious yet, I think, attainable KPIs that we have. 
I was I was actually the the David Diggs in um Emmy uh Rover Raver yes. I believe yes. um she uh their house was one like a standout for me like Thank I loved <laughs> I loved watching that video mm-hmm. and um I saw that they were in the print magazine as well and I was going to ask about this kind of like um, celebrity focused uh, content and, and looking at the houses and how that can translate from platform to platform. Um, it looked like they kind of did this like big print to digital um, activation with you guys. And uh, to know that that was helpful with the you know e-commerce portion of it and having that like more affordable shopping element, that's really cool. I'm, I'm wondering about that kind of like um, celebrity content package that you've you've really honed and, and been able to do really well. Um, how frequently do you do something that grand scale? And also, um, you know, how how recently did you start doing these like larger, you know, celebrity focused packages? Well, Kaylee, we've been doing uh, celebrity covers uh, the whole five years that I've been here. But but AD also in its hundred year legacy, uh, it, it was founded in California. It's always had celebrity. In, a, in its D- DNA, which um, sometimes people don't know. I mean, going way back to like Pickfair, which was Mary Pickford and Douglas Fairbanks, you know, our share had six covers back in the day. So um, the idea of celebrity, I think, is very much in the DNA of, of AD. Um, but obviously, as you said, yes, we have honed it and sort of, I think, perfected it um, in these last five years or perfected is not the right word. There's always room to grow without a doubt. Uh, but we try to use the content as effectively as we can. So some a, a good example would be, uh, well, Emmy and David are a great example or Kendall Jenner last September. You have an open door. It does massive numbers online. You make it shoppable uh, for e-commerce. She has the cover, the print cover. Obviously, she drove a ton of web traffic. She drove new followers onto our social platforms, especially Instagram. All of that is monetized. So every celebrity that we're looking at, we're thinking, if it's a print cover, we have 11 issues. They're, they're coveted. They're important. You know, they're very special covers to give out to a celebrity. So, you know, they, they, we need to know that we're going to maximize that person across open door, across print, across our web, social, e-commerce, all of it. And everything, I guess the bigger point is it's all integrated. All these different teams work together. So, you know, what I've just enumerated, we have Kane Nast, CNE, Kane Nast Entertainment for the video, David for the website, the social teams, and we, me, print, we all work together. We're very, and, and I think it is actually the secret of our success is that we are a tight team. We are a tight team. Everybody works together. If there's any weak link, uh, people who don't get along, people who don't support each other, or someone who, God forbid, doesn't want to do their work, you know, you're going to have a problem because it's very complicated. It's not like the old days of like, there's a photo shoot, which was also is also complicated, but it used to be just a print business, you know, AD or, or Condé Nast in general. You And of course, doing a print shoot is a lot of work. I I know well, I've done hundreds of them, you know, but it's much more complicated now. You have the social piece, you have the e-com piece, you have the web piece, and you have that celebrity. You're handling them. You want right. them to promote it. You want them to, like we launched, we dropped Cara Delevingne yesterday. She's our June, July, uh, our July, August, I'm sorry, our cover star. This is an intricate negotiation. I mean, she's a wonderful partner. I, I love her. But 
you know, she promoted it on all of her channels. She's thrilled about it. It's been, it's widely promoted, widely watched. It's, um, you know, burning up uh, YouTube right now. It's super fun. Her house is bonkers in a good way. Um, our celebrities, we think carefully about who is our celebrity print cover and how do they work for every single piece of our business? How are they going to play on YouTube with, and that's e-commerce too, on our social platforms, on our website, the the whole piece of it. And, and I would also say, Kaylee, this is interesting. When you have a big celebrity like Drake or Kendall Jenner or Mila and Ashton, and, and the, this really happened with these people, so many people come to the website to look at their house that you have an enormous surge in print subscriptions. There are just more people on the website for those that day that that celebrity drops. And um, it's interesting because you might think of the print subscription as like almost the most, you know, old-fashioned piece of our business, but it's a very lucrative piece of our business. It's really important. And I'm really proud that our print subscriptions have grown at a time when people say print is dead. I'm like, no, it's not and not here. If you have a wonderful product that people want, they will pay for it. And uh, and that's an amazing piece about those big celebrities, especially like the three I just mentioned drove, you know, incredible um, print subscriptions. And that's that's real money, you know? It's an expensive product. So it all works together. You know, the, the, the main thing I would say, uh, the takeaway on AD is how do all the pieces play together? And they have to. Yeah, I think the integration component of it all is just extremely important. I mean, there's, there's literally, you know, there'll be like, you know, a Slack channel Drake, you know, a, a Slack channel Cara, Cara Delevingne, a Slack channel Serena Williams. So we are all, there are so many um, fingers in this pot and yet the pot kind of simmers nicely most of the time. And again, this in a way it sort of has to because we can control everything on our side. You know, I can, can help control the digital release and the global digital release and the YouTube work with CNE for the YouTube video and social for the for the Instagram cut of the video and work with our commerce team to figure out what products are going to be sold as part of this uh, alignment. But the real wild card is the celebrity. So we need to have really have our, you know, everything buttoned up on our end because um, we want to make sure that we maximize this moment. You know, when, when we drop a big story like Cara Delevingne, we don't have like weeks and months to like maximize the traffic. We need to maximize that traffic in a day or two or maybe three or four days. So it all has to work. I also just want to add, and it's not something we um, on, our, on our topic list, but, you know, for me personally, it's also been extremely gratifying to see the diversity on our covers as, a, as an African-American, to see the commitment to having diverse covers and, and showing that AD is not just about, is really kind of iterating and evolving with the times, you know. Uh, we had quite a few African Americans on the covers since I've been there, and it's just it makes me very proud to be part of this team as a, as an African American person. I do want to talk a little bit more about the Open Door um, franchise, the um, like celebrity element there. Um, so <laughs> obviously, having uh, a big name like David Diggs on the cover, Cara Delevingne, um, just name a couple of the more recent ones. You mentioned they drive just a lot of traffic. They drive a lot of subscriptions. Is it like? Fair to say maybe that Open Door has become like a, a really strong entry point into the brand, especially for a younger generation, given it's on YouTube as the distributing platform. Um, I know that that is just in general a, a pretty young audience on that platform. Um, but I'm, I'm wondering like how you kind of view uh, YouTube and these video franchises as these audience drivers and audience builders to people who, who might not have been familiar with the AD brand um, 
print edition or, or maybe even the website. How are you kind of looking at that like younger audience component there? Yeah. I mean, that younger audience, you're right. YouTube is a different beast. It's a young audience. Our numbers are massive. Uh, when we did Wiz Khalifa and when we did Zed, the, the international DJ, uh, they've done over 40 million views, which is stunning. And um, obviously there's an audience on YouTube who may not be the traditional AD audience. But I felt very strongly when I started that we we needed to meet audiences uh, where they are and be on many platforms and not say in a rigid way, oh, AD is only this one thing, you know? And what I really felt, and this dovetails a bit into David's last comment, is that AD was seen as one kind of thing for one kind of person. And it was, um, it's, it's n- not a growth strategy. You know, we need to be, open, moving in the moment, culturally relevant, something people talk about and share, whether they're sharing, uh, you know, tagging friends on Instagram, which we see like crazy, or whether they're, you know, commenting on YouTube, we want them to be involved in a dialogue with us and not to have it feel like a closed ecosystem that AD is only for professional decorators or very wealthy people. Um, That just wasn't interesting to me. I didn't want to continue with that. I also don't think it's a growth strategy. Um, So we meet the audience where they are. And people are experiencing AD in very different ways. We have the loyal print audience and it's growing. So we know that that young person who is really loving uh, YouTube experience of Open Door, you know, that may be all they need and all they want and the only way they get involved with us. But many of them, and then the data bears this out, will go and join our Instagram, become a follower. And then that may lead them, they'll go on our Instagram story. And guess what? There's a swipe up there for our e-commerce. And maybe eventually they'll want to buy a subscription or maybe they won't become a print reader. Um, But but it's not really, you know, I don't have an end game like they must all buy a magazine. You know, it's more that we must be where people want to be informed and educated and entertained. In the end, AD has to be entertaining. It simply must be fun. And your opening words to me were, I've loved Open Door. It got me through through COVID. Well, I hear it all the time. And that makes my heart sing because we are meant to be entertaining. If we are not, we will die because there's too much competition out there in the world, you know? Um, so, you know, this was a long-winded answer, but we meet the audience where they are and where they want to be. And then we try to develop them into experiencing AD on different, different platforms. You know, yesterday we were in a Pinterest meeting. That's an audience and a, and a, a place that we could grow more. So, uh, but people also self-select, Kylie, you know, there are people who just say, you know, I have, I know people who are like, I just love the magazine. I just want the magazine. I don't look at, at YouTube. I'm like, okay, that's fine. But we love our young people on YouTube. The comments are magic. You know, last night I stayed up really late reading the comments on Cara Delevingne because it dropped yesterday. And it's just wonderful to see people really enjoying her, really getting her. They are not mean. Uh, you know, you don't see a lot of hate and, and thank goodness, you know, because I really appreciate people who open up their homes to us. People just appreciating her home and her spirit and her point of view and her humor and and, and her letting them into her world, you know. So um, to me, there's no, there's no, no downside to courting a younger audience and being there. It's also monetized. We make money on video. So, you know, it's not like, oh, we just spend all this money putting up videos for young people because it's charitable. You know, it's also a great business. 
I just I just want to add. I really echo what Amy said about meeting our our consumer where they are. I mean, at their at their, at their level, you know. I was uh, traveling abroad last year and met a young Swiss woman whose first language was German. And, you know, we have a German AD, but for her AD was American AD and YouTube and Open Door. And that's what she knew about AD. And AD was, she knew all about AD or all about Open Door. And this was for her, um, the brand. And, you know, it's about saying that that's, she's as equally valid an AD brand consumer as a print consumer or as um a you know traditional digital consumer, um, and more importantly, I think it's about us finding ways, as Amy said, to really sort of engage these younger people today where they are. One of the things we've been doing is um, sort of a robust Instagram Live series. Uh, we did one tied to Black History Month, where we had a, a notable African American uh, architects, and we had the president of the National Association of Minority Architects. We've been doing these um, Instagram Live conversations. We, we're now at the end of doing them for, for LGBT Pride Month. So these are just ways, and some of them are doing huge, you know, huge numbers. These are also ways to sort of get to the young folks where they are and, and also offer um, uh, on our platform, some younger talent. So also our, you know, more, you know, stuffy uh, traditional, which traditional consumers can kind of understand that not only are we at the forefront of you know, uh, the traditional uh, white glove, old fashioned uh, talent, but we're also leading the conversation in young talent and who will be next. So much of what we, we need to do is, is spot who will be the next folks on the 8,105 years and make sure they're, they're constantly aware of, of what they're doing. And, and, and video and Instagram and, and all the digital elements allow us to do that easily and, and relatively low cost. Yeah, absolutely. And so you mentioned um, YouTube, obviously, and then uh, Instagram Lives, Instagram in general. Um, I'm wondering what your strategy is maybe for some of the emerging platforms like TikTok, because um, I want to say for like a six month period, Dakota Johnson's Green Kitchen was just all over my For You page. Um, so obviously AD is being talked about on that platform. We love TikTok. We talk about TikTok a lot. TikTok is a work in progress for us, but we're really, really happy. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm using your, your question to answer your question. We're <laughs> happy that we see that the audience is engaging with AD uh, on TikTok. We know that it's a place for us to conquer our our bandwidth. We we have to uh, we we target our resources like any other organization. And I can tell you that it's up next. David, mm -hmm. do you want to add anything to that? Yeah, I, I just want to say that you know it's funny. I was talking with my fifteen year old niece last week about TikTok and AD on TikTok, and she was grilling me. She was grilling me. Um, and I didn't have the answers that I wanted for her. Um, and I think that's okay because. Um, TikTok is a really interesting beast in that it is so creator-based as opposed to brand-based. And the conversations around it and um, the discourse and the dissing around TikTok is so strong. So while other brands at Condé do have a more, perhaps a more formalized TikTok uh, effort at the moment, we, I, think, I think it's fair to say we understand that it's a work in progress for us and we will get it right. We're not going to enter this space, you know, you know, you know, haphazardly. When, when we do emerge on TikTok, it will be a, with a lot of intention and consideration because, you know, as my 15-year-old niece said, you know, um, we're, out, we're out there ready to pounce. And, um, you know, we just want to make sure we get it right. That makes total sense as well. Um, all right. So we are nearing the end, but I did want to uh, ask a little bit about the events. Um, David, you had mentioned that there's a, a plan to get events um, in person back going. You mentioned the, um, the event that you did with uh, the 
Frederick uh, Eklund. Mexico. Yeah. Yes. And and so you're starting to get back into the space. And um, you mentioned doing like Instagram Lives, which is a virtual kind of event. So yeah, I, I'm I'm wondering about your strategy getting back into in person and and what those events kind of will look like if if you're anticipating um, taking a different approach than maybe pre-pandemic or um, how that how that all fits into this kind of um, conversation around audience building. Well, AD's always had a lot of events. It's a very social industry design and architecture and um and I'm a people person and I think it's it's a really important piece of what AD's always been and we used to host events like literally someone on our team was hosting or or at least attending an event you know every single night um and my my um old life was going out pretty much every night hosting attending meeting people talking to people being culturally tied in in New York City um which all benefits our our brand and I firmly believe that it will all come back. Um, IRL events will come back. I'm, I'm hosting um, some dinners for Dior in October. Um, you know, the universe willing, they're, they're scheduled. Um, I think now we all understand we have to be a little more flexible. <laughs> you know, that word pivot. Maybe you think you're doing something and, and something about the world that we can't control will, will alter our plans. Uh, so I think there's more flexibility built into everybody's um, mindset now. But certainly IRL events are a big part of what AD does. But we we saw during the pandemic how successful our digital events were. We did a, a show house. It was completely digital with the Black Interior Designers Network, BIDN. We did a, a virtual design summit with AD Pro a couple months ago. And the great thing about the virtual event is that people can attend all over the world and we're a global brand. So I think that what, again, to say that positive things come out of our, for, from a business point of view from the pandemic is that we understand how successful and desirable these events are and we'll keep doing them. But yes, IRL will return. It can't return fast enough for me. I love being out and seeing people. It's part of how we bring in houses and community. Um, and it's a big piece of AD Pro, our vertical called AD Pro. We haven't talked about that in this call. Uh, we've talked a lot about YouTube and young audiences and entertainment and massive scale, but AD Pro is a different kind of business. It's a vertical, it's paywalled, uh, it's for professionals in the design industry. It's very successful, it's profitable, and it's for a small select community. And events are a big piece of what we do there. We have endless sponsored events. Again, that's revenue. Uh, also just community building events, networking events. And now as we globalize, AD Pro will become a global product. Um, so it's a smaller it's a smaller business that, you know, fewer people would be aware of because anyone can go on YouTube and go, oh my God, I love, you know, Dakota Johnson's Open Door. But this is a really important part of our story too. And events play into pro because that's a networking business. You know, that's a networking and education kind of business. Um, so, you know, I just want to point out that AD, it's part of when I said we meet our audience wherever they are. We're also, by design, by my design, I want to, I don't want to leave any audience untouched. If you're really young and you just want to see like Bretman Rock on uh, YouTube doing his open door in Hawaii, which has had like over 5 million views. Great. There it is. It's awesome. And you can shop it. Uh, but if you are an AD100 designer and you are working on a very, very refined, sophisticated level, here's the magazine. It's the best of the best. Or here's AD Pro where anyone who's in the industry can, can join it. You have access to the archives, to the events, to daily news about our industry. 
Um, so, you know, again, they're very different audiences. And then there's the Instagram audience. So um, we we really work hard with a small team to tailor our content to all these different kinds of audiences. And I'm really proud of Pro. I'm really proud of it. It's, it's the first B2B business at Condé Nast. Um, it is paywalled. So people, they have to pay a lot for it. And it's it's gratifying to see, and, and you know, we would never walk away from that piece. What I, what I'm really trying to say is, yes, we're huge on YouTube with major celebrities, but we also have this. We have a hundred years of of design authority. I would not want to walk away from that, or dismiss that, or let that go because we're chasing, you know, the next celebrity for the next massive amount of scale on YouTube. We do it all. That's really what I'm saying. We do it all. And the team has so much energy. It would not be possible without this incredible team of people who are passionate about AD. They're passionate in the same way the audience is passionate. So we're really, really fortunate. But again, we've created that fortune to have an incredible team serving an incredible audience wherever they are with the kind of content that they actually want. And that's why we're all working so hard. And right, I, absolutely. I just wanted to add in terms of this, this idea, this issue around, around in real life. You know, I, I can't stress for me how important that is as well. I mean, Amy described herself as a people person. I'm, I'm a people person as well. But I really think that this is a people-based brand. At the end of the day, you know, we're talking about, uh, you know, an Instagram account with 8 million followers. We're talking about, you know, YouTube videos with tens of millions of views. We're talking about digital traffic that's up, you know, stratospherically. But... Nothing is more important than last week in Mexico City going to meet the 8,100 talents in Latin America. Because how are we supposed to get that content? How do we? How are we going to know about that content if we don't have conversation with the people who we're trying to cover and who make it? Um, how are we going to find what's next if we're not if we're not talking to the people who are next? You know, I can go to an event and meet 8,100 talent, but. I can also meet that talent's, you know, junior designer who's on their way up and keep an eye on them. Or, you know, we have an extremely robust on the market YouTube franchise, which looks at, you know, you know, very swanky real estate properties all over the world. We get pitched, you know, a gazillion of them. They all kind of look the same. So, you know, a couple months ago, I went out to Los Angeles and like literally like spent the day driving around looking at them because somebody has to decide which ones of these are eh or truly awesome. I mean, at the end of the day, it's all human powered and, and, and the humans are the ones I like to say for me, homes are beautiful. Homes are fantastic. Um, but ho- and homes can be interesting, but what's really interesting are the people behind the homes. And I think that's what makes AD so special is that we never forget our focus on the people behind all these stories. And they're the ones who are going to continue to power this digital success. And we are completely committed to finding them where they are, what they're doing, and with a huge focus on what they're doing next. I think that perfectly encapsulates it, David. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, no, I think that that makes a lot of sense is like building these areas within your um, AD brand for these different, you know, groups of of home enthusiasts. So whether it's like the younger audience up to the pros, I think that that is a that is a, a really awesome kind of look at that. That said, I will let you go because I know I've, I've kept you both here um, and we are at time. But um, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for hosting us. Thank you so much, Kaylee. It's really great. And I feel very honored to have spent this morning with you. Thank you. And thank you for joining us. We'll be back next week with another episode.